Hello, welcome back for another visit to the Awesome Village. My name is Greg, and joining me is... John. Glenn. And Ryan. So we're sitting here with a smorgasbord of treats yet again. John has brought us uh, Reese's Popped Corns. Yeah, but that was nothing. I just bought a bag of Reese's Popcorn at, at Sam's. Ryan's girlfriend, Crystal, she's got us a whole spread of stuff. She made a charcuterie board. She's got, she did made some burgers. She made some kielbasa. She got French fries here for us. Air fryer French fries. Air fryer. They're delicious. Game, the air fryer's a game changer. It is. Yeah. It really is. Especially with the, the crinkle cut. I mean, you, know, I, you know what I tell you? I think the best thing to put in that damn air fryer that really is tater tots. It makes like regular or ride of tater tots better than like Sonic tots. Reheat your yeah. pizza in that damn thing. Or, or reheat. Oh, any, really? Yeah. yeah. Reheat any fried like Chinese food, like egg yes. Rolls. Yeah. John, that, that's one of the my, my biggest selling points was John telling me about Mandarin chicken, yeah. and when you reheat it in the air fryer, it tastes just like it, and it does. And the same thing with the egg rolls and. And all. yeah, and you know what else? Like when I, you get Chinese food to go, a lot of times, sometimes when you get home, it's a little soggy. Just throw it in the air fryer, it tastes like it just. came I mean, out that's what me and Sandra that happened to us. A couple days ago, we stopped at uh, Raisin Cane's when we got home. It took us a little while longer to get yeah. home than we thought, and it wasn't that warm. Popped in the air fryer for four or five minutes, and it was like it was brand new. Perfect. I actually had to go to the store the other day. My just my office microwave went out, and I went. I was like, I'm gonna go buy a new microwave for the office. So I went into the into the store. They had a microwave that was almost three hundred dollars that had a built-in air fryer. I was like, Wow, I wow. want that, but yeah, just for the office now. I'm not gonna get that. That exists though. Did you guys have a good New Year? Yeah, I mean, I was you know at home with COVID, but you know, what else you yeah, yeah, we've all got it now or had it. Yeah, we've I, all I, been through. I was the last one. Yeah, much like getting married. You you were the last one. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you were. Drunk. I had I had a very lucky experience. I was barely ill for a day and a half, and that was it. Just a little bit of a cold, and that was. That's really all it felt like. I had a similar experience. I had like a coming in and out headache that would like yeah. linger for a couple of days, and I still have a little bit of like a nasal drip, yeah. which is about it. But like, I don't want to. I don't want to overstate things, but I mean, I, I was in pretty bad shape. Like, I, you were. I, I could have. I'm pretty sure if I wasn't vaccinated, I might have been in the hospital. My, my wife was the same. Like she was <clears throat> knocked on her ass. And the reason for it, it, I mean, when I tell people that, they're like, "How do you know it was the vaccine?" I'm like, "Well, here's what I'll tell you." When you have a high fever and you take something for it, the fever will go down almost always, but it will come back. When I had COVID and I was taking anything, the fever wouldn't go down. Like it stayed around 102 and no matter how much NyQuil or whatever I would take, nothing would get the fever down. So I'm pretty sure I would have had to been hospitalized because the fever was going to probably just keep going up. But luckily, you know, it, it took about three really bad days. And then I was just like symptomatic, kind of like you guys for the rest of it. How was yours, Glenn? I mean, it's fine. I was the first one to have it, remember? Yours was like you... You're a trailblazer. The, the loss of taste. I didn't have a lot. Sandra, Sandra lost her taste and her smell. I had a a very low-grade fever for like two days. I, I had some pretty bad body aches. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, I mean, I was just fatigued. Like, we were just exhausted. Yep. But, I, uh, but other than that, that I, mean, that I experienced most of the time. Like, like I'll yeah. still have little bouts. I still, yeah. I still to this day, uh, will just like a lot of times on my days off. Like I have, I told Crystal she works from home. I told her sometimes the only reason I even get out of bed on my day off is because I don't want to be laying in bed while you're working on the computer. <laughs> you like because, to get the daily news. Yeah, I have like sometimes I just have no energy to do anything. I mean, you were like that long ago, though. No, not, not no, this bad. No, 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 no. Not this bad. I mean, I'm generally a lazy person, I'll admit, but this is something else. Um, I, the image of, it came into my head of you sitting on the sofa stroking your pillow like you do. 
and it reminded me of, of the gift I got for uh, for Christmas. I have a, a Nicolas Cage pillow. That's right. We had a we had a, yeah we had our Secret Santa exchange since the last time we recorded. Yeah. I got a I got a Broncos sweatshirt and a Saint shirt. I got a I got a bidet. <laughs> it's for washing your backside. <laughs> did you put your boot, your boot well, in? Let me it? just say okay. So I did I did set up this bidet this past Sunday, um, and you know I'm setting it up in my house in my warm heated home and wasn't thinking about how the temperature was dropping outside. <laughs> and let me just say, when that ice cold water hits where it hits, that'll wake you up in the morning. <laughs> so how, how strong is the stream? You can, you, it's got a little knob on it, and the, the yeah. more you turn it, the, sh- the stronger the stream gets. So, Are you a fan? I am. Nice. I mean, they, they use that in, in Europe and Asia, and it's they, Crocodile and they all think that we're weird that we don't do that over here. Well, we do have those, uh, those flushable wipes now. Yeah. Which is, you know, a step in the right direction. Well, Keep our asses holes clean. Why don't I wait for the three seashells? Yeah. <laughs> that was my biggest disappointment in the movie. They didn't explain that anymore. Right. I, yeah, I got, I got a, a Han Solo leather jacket, which I brought with me today. It's now my, it's my favorite jacket. <laughs> Are you turning into Jerry when he got that, 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 <laughs> the right. jacket? That's right. This jacket has totally changed <laughs> my whole outlook. But, I had to get that for you when I saw it on your list. Yeah, yeah, he, I'm very excited though too because I got a, a shark coochie board uh, with all the, the tools and whatnot, which is going to be kind of cool because I have I also have one I got for my birthday from Glenn. So I have uh, several options. I need to have a party where I shark coochie it up yeah. and use my chalk to write things and everything. But it's really it's got the little drawer for all the the tools and uh, it has the two little ramekins for like sauces and stuff. Oh, nice. But that was just an afterthought. The cage pillow was, the, was, oh, the, was yeah. the real gift. I mean, it, that's the, the shining. <laughs> I don't know how soft the pillow is. In, ca- in case you guys are wondering, I, I just saw this on Amazon a long time ago. When we do our Secret Santa thing, I was just hoping I got one of my three guys here. Because it's a pillow that looks like a black sequin pillow. But when you rub the black sequins the other way, it's got Nicolas Cage's face on it. And not just like a nice profile shot of Nicolas Cage. It's like his face, like middle of his forehead to middle of his chin, like really Extreme up close. close up. Yeah, yeah extreme I was, uh, close up of his face. I'll admit, I was a little bit pissed off when I found out that you were getting that and I couldn't have it. Well, it's I'll funny too. One, it's you not can... the same now. I left it on my uh, my sofa when I left to come over here and my wife's going to walk in and the first thing she'll see from the door is going to be Nicholas Cage's, Nicholas Cage's face. Which, by the way, I did see that interview when he was talking about Face Off when he left his body yeah. during filming that scene. So it is, technically, there's a pillow cover and there's a pillow inside of it and it's got a little zipper on it. So you should get some sort of little voice recorder and record some Nicolas Cage things and put it in the pillow. <laughs> All I you need think to record about that. Oh, oh, like the things you get at Build-A-Bear when yeah. you, you, when you he squeeze just, it? He just, you just need to have him saying, I can eat a peach for hours, over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> a 30-minute recording of that. That's it. Yeah, good times. Um, as a result of uh, us taking time off, as well as you know me being laid up with the COVID, uh, got to watch a bunch of stuff. So we're going to kind of yeah. talk about that now. Now, again, a lot of the things that I watch, we are kind of not going to talk about because I was basically catching my wife up on things she should have seen, like Heartbreakers and L.A. Confidential oh, and Heartbreakers. Heartbreakers that thing you do, she'd never seen that. Oh, what what a pleasure! And then we watched the full series of Gavin and Stacey. Excellent. That thing you do for the first time, I'm jealous. Yeah, she was like, "Oh, this is a nice little movie." But yeah, she's she's uh, rethought a lot of uh, her her list of movies she needs to recommend to people. Oh, Inside Man was another one she really liked. Uh, That's a good one. It's a pretty good movie. So she got to experience Mr. Downtown for the first time. <laughs> 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 Mr. 
the bass player. Did you tell her about how you won't stop referencing the shake, the shrimp shack? Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters? Yeah. That was going to be the name of this podcast. That was not going to be the name of this podcast. Might be the title of this episode. I mean, that's fine, but it was not going to be this the podcast, no. But yeah, so as a result, we got to watch a, a bunch of things, uh, and we're going to kind of talk about those right now. The first thing that's up, we have actually a pair of finales that were on this week. I have not watched Yellow Jackets at all, but I have watched the first episode of the season of Dexter, so you guys are going to take us through that now. Well, you named two shows we talked about. Well, you just simul- said there's a pair of shows that had finales. So we're going to talk about them simultaneously? That's pretty stupid. You could talk about them into fucking visually, but I just mentioned the two of them together. Which one would you like to talk about Bitch first, face. Ryan? Yeah, Ryan, which one would you like to go through first? I think we should talk about Dexter first. It's a okay. much more prolific show than, even though Yellow Jackets is getting a lot of press lately. But this was the show that, I think we all know when Dexter ended. Um, I mean, I've told the story before when you guys, I told y'all I was binging it. Y'all all said, just don't watch the last episode, which I thought was kind of unusual. Because when I got to the last season, That's I was like, unusual. this is, well, no, like, most people say don't watch the last season or something, but they specifically said don't watch the last episode, which I thought was funny. I was like, that doesn't make no sense. Because the last season was pretty good. I was enjoying it. Was, it. it wasn't bad. For, Got to the last episode, season. and I was like, my God, they were right. Because Dexter went off and became a lumberjack, apparently, and a lot of other weird stuff happened. So then they, they revisited this with Dexter, the New Blood, basically. Ten episodes. Ten episode, like, series, limited series. And, uh, yeah, the finale finally dropped and it was one of the biggest watch finales for Showtime. It was the biggest watch Showtime show. And man, was it divisive. Uh, Dexter fans have lost their minds about not liking it. I liked it a lot. I'm in the minority camp with this. I thought it was a vast improvement. Oh, I agree. It was. I think it was an improvement over the previous finale, but I did have a lot of problems with it. I mean, it wasn't terrible in all aspects, but there were some aspects that I didn't like at all. I had one issue with it, and it was a pretty major thing that yeah. he did that I had a problem with. Yeah, but, I will say. But as I an already, episode, it, it I was already good. know what you're talking about, and there were some beha- character behaviors that just, went against. It was it was not consistent, right? Yeah. And it wasn't just Dexter, like Harrison's confrontational attitude towards Dexter. Like he was never like that towards Dexter this entire series. So it was kind of weird to see him act the way he was. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I. I I think Michael C. Hall is amazing. I will say, Michael C. Hall killed it in that last episode. He was really good. He was good. I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, Paul Rudd not aging. He looks just like he did when Dexter was first on. <laughs> His hair's kind of different, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> it's all the people he killed. He assumed their powers. He's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's a Highlander. I mean, we won't, I guess we won't get into too many, to any spoilers with Dexter. Um, but I think that if you watch or you decide to watch Dexter... This is you have to watch this. I will say it's a more, much more. Whether you agree with the decisions or not, it's a much more satisfying conclusion yes. than the original. A lot of fans and, don't and think I will, so. I will say that when I go like a year down the road, when I go back and think about Dexter and how Dexter ended, I'm more satisfied. Yeah, I'm much more satisfied with this than yeah. knowing this now than what I knew last time. I mean, a lot of fans. Uh, think that that ending was better now because of how this one. Oh, I, I don't think, agree with that. Those and, fans are wrong. I think honestly, what it is is Dexter is such a beloved character. Like they just didn't want the show to end. I really think that's what it is. So, not to spoil anything, but I mean, he he is one of the most popular antiheroes out there. So, um, I'm gonna te- tease our next episode. Though. I'm not gonna like this episode. The next episode, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a war. All right. Yellow Jackets, Ryan. 
Um, I don't remember if we talked about. I think we may have mentioned when it first premiered. We watched it. Um, John actually saw the trailer first. I had never even paid attention yeah. to it, and um, well, it started actually. It started the week after Dexter, so I saw a trailer for it before the premiere of this Dexter. It might have been actually like a couple weeks after Dexter premiered. I think it was because. Maybe it was one or two. I don't. It, it ended it, a week. A apart. week yeah, it ended a week apart. But um, yeah, you know, it's about these those girls, um, and a couple coaches. They get in a plane crash, and stuck out in the wilderness. And you get a uh, present day storylines, and then they flash to stuff that kind of similar. No, it's not like the shows are not the same, but kind of similar to Lost. I mean, there's a a little. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's yeah. Um, a lot of flashbacks. Now, it's, it's, so it's structured the same way. It's not the same. Yes, plot, it, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, Storyline and, the, and themes and feel I mean, of the show are not at all. The same. I enjoyed the finale, but what I will say is that the show's gonna have to stop with not telling us what happened in the woods. Like they still haven't divulged everything that happened yet. And I mean, like they can only continue to do that for so long. Like in the very beginning of the show, you get teases of like. People wearing these weird headdresses, and you do sort of see that like there's a cult that could be formed that was formed possibly, doing a lot of weird shit, and how that's transferred to current life for some of the characters. But you do in, the, in this finale. I mean, without giving it away, I mean you do get to see maybe how that little cult first kind of starts a little bit. You yeah. do find out some things that you're not sure about what happened. You find out some of these things. Um, there's somebody that's blackmailing the characters in present day, you and you still don't know who that is by the end of this series. You kind of do. Oh. Well, I'm not gonna. Gonna give away a spoiler or something that happened last night. Well, let's talk about. It. I don't know okay. who you're talking about. Okay, it's not. It's something insinuated because I don't remember them definitively saying. Oh no, 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 I'm sorry, not not the blackmail part. I was talking about the the murder of one of the characters. Oh, oh, oh yeah, no, the, you well, still talk about the blackmail part. Yeah, so yeah. obviously they they wrote this with the intention that they wanted. But to I do... think they they kind of gave hint on that though. I think. Well, let's talk about that because I don't yeah. know who the hell could have killed that person. Okay, but um. Yeah, it's a. It was a satisfying finale, but they left lots of questions. They did answer some things. Um, we still don't know, like, of all the characters in the woods, which one of them made it out. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Like, there's one who's batshit crazy, and she seems to be like she might be the leader of this cult. We don't know if she's still alive or not. So if she shows up in like modern, like storyline, that'll be interesting to see what's going on with her. It's definitely worth checking out. Great actresses across the board. Yeah. Um, great performances. Christina Ricci is, yeah, brilliant. She is. Well, uh, a series that that I didn't get to watch the first season of, but I got to binge while I was uh, quarantined, and has luckily enough just had its premiere, is Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, this is basically like like Eastbound and Down, but <clears throat> instead it's a televangelists, televangelists um, with the great Danny McBride. The first season was amazing. Um, I watched, I, it was kind of weird. I watched it all. And then I, I think I had like three episodes left. And for whatever reason, I just sort of didn't get to finish it until like many, many months later. And it's a phenomenal show. It is so hilarious. I didn't see any of the new episodes, but you didn't, there's only been three. They dropped two at, at, on the two on the first night. Right. And one last night. Oh, Walton, okay. Walton Goggins has not been in the new season yet. He should be in the next episode. Well, Uncle Baby Billy. Uncle Baby Billy, but he did he get in that bad car accident, right? But he was okay. No, he he got hit by lightning. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> I knew something happened to him. <laughs> yeah, like remember he he was he had a, a new revival about how he, he saw right. the other side and yeah. 
and, and his wife was drawing. I just what Uncle Baby Billy saw on the other side. I, I just love that they all call him Uncle Baby Billy. Yeah. Yeah, but I like I'll, I'll agree with you. Like the the series we've seen from Danny McBride, uh, you know, Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals, and now this. It's a cool. I, I like watching his characters kind of because you have. And he's bounding down, his character is just completely out for himself and kind of evolves over the seasons. In Vice Principles, I felt he went a different way where it, it was like he started off wanting to do good, but his, his own ego kind of got the yeah. better of him. And in this one, it's kind of a blend of the two. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of felt like Eastbound and Down was a better series in the beginning, the earlier seasons. But I feel like Righteous Gemstones, if it keeps going the way it's going, this could be the best one that he's done. Yeah. If it can maintain, it's got a big, like a bigger, and I don't want to say necessarily better, because I mean the Eastbound and Down, like John Hawks was really good, and, and a lot of those characters were good, and the the April, you know, she was really funny. But I mean, this is the father is John Goodman, and I mean Adam Devine, and I'm not sure what the name of the actress that plays the sister is. But she's she's, amazing. she's very funny. She was in Vice Principals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned Walton Goggins is in it. Walton Goggins. We've had, uh, you have Cassidy Freeman as his wife, who she's. Gorgeous, but also because uh, I remember her from from Smallville. She was Lex Luthor's sister, and it's kind of funny watching her in this because it's this really weird kind of Stepford wife situation yeah. where she lives in denial. The first season, the the subplot with all the wives uh, not knowing, like like trying to convince her that her husband was was a shithead, yeah, and not being able to. Also, like the support group at the beginning of this season. And I think my favorite character might be because he's just the weirdest character is. Adam Devine's little best friend named Keith, the, who's the, 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 the former, the former Satanist. Yeah, yeah that's hilarious. Well, he, he's just such a strange character. At the end of the first season, when he has to go rescue him from yeah, that sensory deprivation. Yeah, thing. Well, was he was stuck in like there's people stuck in like you know, like those those pods or whatever. <laughs> oh my god, it's a good show. Very funny. Very funny. Um, I will say too the the children that play the his sons or like the young adults that play the sons. Um, the first season, I kind of saw that subplot coming. But I like how they've integrated them all into this season. And it's also kind of funny watching him with the, the Texas preachers. Yeah. And I, I told Greg, I was like, for, for whatever reason, one of my funniest things is the fact that, you know, they all have, like, the biblical names. And one of Danny McBride's sons, his name is Pontius. And I just think that, <laughs> yeah. that, that cracks me up so much every time he talks to Pontius. I'm like, oh, yeah, his name is Pontius. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a show. Like, I'm, I'm so glad I got to watch all these episodes. My wife's a fan of it, too. Yeah. But, uh... I can't wait to like. I, I this is one where I actually will watch the the credits so that I can see what ha- what's coming in the next episode. Yeah, and this season's got special guest star Eric Roberts. Mm-hmm. You guys remember when <laughs> Christopher Nolan answered our question uh-huh. on a live stream just because we asked about Eric Roberts? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and I guess we sh- we should mention um, Roger's Gemstones. That's HBO, HBO, yeah, HBO, and, and HBO Dexter and Dexter and Yellow Jackets. Both shows. Both shows. Huh? What about Wolf Like Me? So I saw this. This is it's a it's a peacock show. Peacock. Yeah. So um, I, I so I followed Josh Gad on Twitter, and I had just been noticing all these people complimenting him on the show called Wolf Like Me that I hadn't really heard of. So I looked it up and put Peacock, and it's this brand new series. I think it just started. It's six episodes. It's from the same people that did um, it's a Big Little Lies, and you know, kind of those shows. And Josh Gad, uh, it, his main character, his name's Gary. Um, he's an American living in Australia with his, uh, daughter, Emma, who looks like she's probably about somewhere between 10 and 12 years old. Um, he's a widower. His, his wife, uh, had passed away. Um, 
and he, he kind of, it's kind of set up. This isn't really a spoiler that um, his wife was was Australian, so they when she got sick, they moved to Australia to be closer to her family, and when she ultimately died, he didn't want to remove the daughter from his wife's family because that's kind of the only thing they had left of, her, of their daughter and their sister and stuff. So he just started a new life for himself in Australia. Um, his daughter's got kind of emotional problems dealing with you know the death of her mother and stuff. And um, the uh, wife's family's very involved and they're kind of, they really like him. You know, he's part, just part of the family and they're trying to get him hooked up like in a new relationship. You know, he's on all these dating apps and stuff like that. And, you know, they watch the daughter and stuff when he goes out on these blind dates. Well, in um, kind of on their way to school one day, they get into this pretty serious car accident. Their uh, their car gets completely, you know, T-bone flips over and stuff. And they're hit by um, this woman named Mary, played by Isla Fisher, um, who, you know, it was a complete accident. She was, like, beside herself for what happened, and she went and she was able to calm the, the daughter down and... Then, you know, as they're talking about insurance information over her and, and Gary, they start to get a pretty solid rapport together. And, um, but, I don't know, Mary keeps on saying that, um, you know, she knows kind of what Emma's going through because she has secrets of her own. And, you know, they go out on a date for lunch because she said she doesn't like to be out af after dark. And, you know, Gary's like, oh, I understand, you know, being a, a, a pretty girl and, you know, stuff like that. And when it turns out that they're out later than... They think Mary kind of freaks out and runs away and Gary doesn't see her for a couple of weeks and eventually they reconnect and you get to kind of find out Mary's secret and I kind of don't want to give it away on on this on this you know talking about how many it. episodes have there been um there's six episodes total I think they dropped them all oh um good for them yeah uh it's uh, the best way I could describe it it's it like Acting-wise, Josh Gad and uh, is it Isla or Isla? Isla, 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 Isla Fisher. They kill it. They are amazing. Wait, so the S is silent? Yeah. So like, like Isla Nublar. Uh, oh, thanks. Thanks for making it so I can understand. Yeah. So um, yeah, <laughs> you got to put everything in the Jurassic Park. <laughs> However, the um, kind of the tone of the show, it's very unique because I was kind of telling the guys before we started recording. Imagine you're watching kind of a very hard-hitting relationship drama like This Is Us or something, and you're getting kind of into it, and the performances are amazing, and it's very dramatic and stuff like that. And then the third episode, you find out Mandy Moore's actually a Klingon. That's kind of the way the show is. It's, it, it, it goes into this weird... Mandy Moore eating gah. <laughs> it goes into this weird supernatural twist that I did not see coming. And it gets, it's very, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised because of the actors involved, but it's a very dark comedy. Are you enjoying it? Uh, very much. Very much. It's, I'm, I'm like, I, it, it took me a while just to. to How far did you get? I got three episodes. I did the three episode rule, but then I just had to stop because um, I was watching another show that we're going to talk about soon. Cool. But um, it's definitely, it, it is an R-rated show. There's, um, you know, language and there's Titties? some. I don't think so. Not yet. Damn. I'm only three episodes in though. Oh. But, There's always um, hope, <laughs> but it's it's I, I'm I'm really liking it. It's on Peacock. Uh, I would definitely recommend Wolf Like Me. It's just I've never seen anything like this before. Have you noticed that? Is it just me or seem like Peacock's getting a lot better as a streaming service? Like, I still don't like the name. Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't. It's, it's I, I liked it if it was actually associated directly with NBC, but now that it's not, I, but I, I, well, I mean, it's never been. It's always been the Warner Brothers streaming service. 
I just find that strange. Like, there was rumors they were going to change it to Warner Max, but... Well, that's too much similar to HBO Max. Yeah. So, I I think, kind of, to your point, streaming services are going to be that way, though. Yeah. Where they kind of, at the start of it, they don't have a lot of content, or they, they rely on stuff they've had previously, but they kind of feel like they're stable. I think Hulu's the weakest of them all. Of no. all the, the, the prominent ones. Hulu's going to eventually turn into kind of something like YouTube TV or DirecTV. I mean, they pretty now, much... Now, it, it's kind of where, like, there's... there That's that's the live TV. Yeah, <laughs> Hulu's like the R-rated Disney. Yeah, I have a feeling that's what's going to... They're just going to... That's why Hulu's staying alive, because they're paired with Disney Plus and ESPN. Yeah, and Hulu gets all the R-rated content. Yeah. So I think that's what it's going to eventually happen. But, um... Cool. Well, Afterlife debuted its final season. I've only watched, like... Half the first season, oh. so I, I, I don't wish to be spoiled, but I've heard that it's very emotional for you guys. I actually saw you, you know, let Ricky Gervais know, John, that yeah, he upset you. This, how did you do that? He, he, I just, he Ricky Gervais had posted a thing on his page about how he's got all the fans, mm-hmm. and I just basically said something about like, Ricky Gervais, you bastard, you made me cry again, and then you know, I just said thank you for three beautiful seasons of Afterlife. So, here's the thing. It's only six episodes. I think each season might be six episodes. And they're like 25 minutes. Very fast to get through. Um, I was at work at the time. I had some free time. And I started watching it at work. I was in my break room. And I had to leave. Because I was I was starting to cry. Yeah. When I got to the finale. And well, I was... And it's not like... It's not it, what you think. It's not what you think when we say you're crying. I mean, it's not like... There's not people dying or everything. I mean, it's... The show, the first episode starts with, you know, his wife has died. And that's... Really, the only person that's died in the show. It's just, but it's just the the different emotions and all the different stages of grief. Yeah, goes and through. I tried to explain like the the really heartbreaking thing about it is, like he has gotten better mentally by season three, but he's still not right, and he sort of has he's gotten to a self awareness point where he knows this. Like you, I guess. I'm I'm still pretty fucked up, but um, like the sad part is is like he met a great girl who had been looking after his dad for the first two seasons and his dad passed away, but he still goes and, and talks to this hilarious other old guy now who thinks that he's uh, Ricky Gervais is his son. Yeah. And he still hangs out with this girl who really likes him, but he just doesn't, it's not that he doesn't care. It's just, he's still so emotionally attached to his ex, his and wife. He, and he feels like it's cheating on his wife. Cause yeah. And it's, else. it's heartbreaking because this woman basically goes places with him and can tell he's just emotionally distant and she just likes him so much and it's it's hard to watch at times i felt so bad for her well he, he needs joe pesci to come and talk to him about his pet turtle about <laughs> yeah. how he was able to it, it also that reminds me actually i'm not joking when i say this but there's an episode of sanford and son where donna his girlfriend that's been there for several seasons has a uh, like had enough with him like they're being engaged but not getting married and wants him to set a date and she like leaves and he has this talk with Elizabeth like he normally does, but it's very much like it's it's you can see this as an old man grieving for a wife that's been dead yeah. for twenty years. And it's a rare moment of like poignancy in the midst of all the comedy you normally get on Sanford and something. That's kinda how I what I felt with this show. I'm telling you right now, this is, is that like, the third season, like there were some parts that I laughed so loud and so hard at some of the shit that happens. But then there were some parts that were like just gut wrenching. Like at the one of the final scenes, he it's become a stale. Like one of the, the signature shots of the show is he sits on a bench at the the graveyard and talks to this old woman that he met there. And there's this heartbreaking conversation where 
he starts talking about his wife and how she wanted to believe in an afterlife. And he always dismissed it because he was an atheist and all that different stuff. And he felt bad about it. Like he felt like maybe he did her a disservice and he was afraid that she was scared when she died. And he brings up the subject of angels and what the old woman tells him will tear you apart because it's so true and so sad. And it's just, it's a beautifully written show. I did not think Ricky Gervais had this in him. This is some and amazing that's where, shit. And that's where John and I are better than you because we did know. No, I mean, I think we all knew he was talented, but to reach the emotional depths that this show does. You need to watch a movie called The Invention of Lying. Did you like it? Yeah. I really, really Well, I'm did. not going to watch it then. Okay, well. <laughs> it's Ricky Gervais. Okay, I'll watch it. Yeah. But and it's got a very emotional thing that happens in it that makes... Oh, okay, I see what you I got gotcha. you. I mean, I tell people all the time, like people always ask, what, could, what, what, what should I start watching? And I'm like, there's this great show on Netflix. It's really, it's short. There are quick episodes. You need to watch the show. It's great. Well, another great show that has season two on the CW <laughs> is Superman and Lois. And I say great because I'm biased because I love Superman, but this is actually an incredibly, really great show. And Glenjamin, if I'm not mistaken, you watched it as well. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen the, 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 the premiere yet. Oh, oh okay. I, okay. I know what happens in it, but um. So like uh, last season though, like where they left it, it was what a fifteen episode season. Yeah, it, it was a short. Cause was it a mid season? That's it short. Fifteen episodes. Yeah, normally for the CW. Oh, that's right. And it was because it was a mid season replacement. I yeah. believe, they were right? Like twenty plus episodes. I don't huh? think they were still doing that on network TV. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I really, honestly, I hope they do fifteen again for this one because it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait you tell me shit like Grey's Anatomy and This Is Us. They're, they're doing like 20 ep- episodes. Mother of God. I don't know if This Is Us does that. Because, yeah, they're kind of, they're a little different. Yeah, they Grey's Anatomy, Anatomy that's, I think they're still doing it. It's like, like 19 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. I mean, it's like, I don't understand how that's They just going. renewed it, too. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't think that's too many. I mean, I understand yeah. why they did it back then, but we no, don't but need I, that many. This, this is the, the reason why you think it's so many, and I agree with you, because you find that a lot with the, uh, the CW shows. Like, I, I find it a lot on The Flash, where... The actual problem that they have, they then have to stretch it out because yeah. there's not enough story to fit 22 episodes. I mean, that's kind of that was a problem. I mean, back in the the 90s and the aughts, you know, when before they would do these kind of more like tell one story throughout where it was more serialized. Yeah, they didn't have to worry about that. Like, yeah, the, the, the Enterprise like, had a mission every week, and right, every right. now and again you'd get a two parter. But other than that, I mean, it was just sort of like... Yeah, season-long arcs weren't really a big exactly. thing. And then it became the norm. That's the big thing in, in episodes, is that they come over from writing this show in yeah. England that's six or eight, six to eight episodes, and immediately it's got to be it's gotta be 24 episodes. Well, that's the funny thing, too. Like, you mentioned that, but, like, comedy, like, sitcoms in England are six episodes. Mm-hmm. And then dramas are usually 13. Isn't that show Luther, like, only, like, two episodes, two or three episodes No, no, no. The, the first, like, two or three seasons were... Six episodes or eight episodes. And the last then, one was only like three. Or yeah, and then it was like a movie. They made it more like a movie, like yeah. a longer movie. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's just kind of the changing television, changing television the way the times have gone. Huh. I mean, it's just things are like you said. They they tell more of a story, and then I mean, you had a couple of hybrid ones. Like if you remember, Veronica Mars had an yeah. overarching um, mystery, but then they would have kind of the you know the case of the week yeah. kind of thing. So it, it's it's just different. Styles, and um, yeah, this Superman and Lois is the CW, I guess, kind of trying to do more of a um, the BBC kind of style for one of their shows. That's it's, I feel like it's kind of the Veronica Mars thing you said, it's kind of how Flash was, yeah, because it would there would be the overarching thing, but it would also be villain of the week, yeah. Well, and the mm-hmm. thing with that though, too, uh, 
is that it basically gives you the ability to get distracted by whatever the events are that week to not make as much progress towards yeah, sure. whatever the, the overarching story is. But again, you can execute it incorrectly. And that's what I find, like, the first season of Superman and Lois was pretty solid. Because it was. It filled what it needed to fill. Like, I, I, every time that they had some sort of twist, I was like, oh, okay, well, this, you know, there was a, a thing that kind of supplanted, su- supplanted, supplanted yeah. the, uh, the reveal that they just had. Uh, in this new season, it starts a little bit differently. Kind of, and this is the, not going to ruin anything for you who haven't seen it, yeah. but we basically are in a situation where one of the characters that is revealed to be from another universe in the previous season, another character comes over, and it causes a little bit of strife between the main characters of the show. Um, you also have with that, you know, Superman has a new, like, working relationship with the U.S. government. With the government, right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it causes a little bit of, of strife. During the episode, though, there's not really a big villain in the episode. You just, like, he's saving people. It's really cool, or, like, a submarine rescue that he does in the episode that you can see clips on the internet right now. Um, but you find out at the end of the episode that the reason all these random earthquakes are happening... That's what I... Because I, I, I saw a headline, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it, so I might as well just read it. And it's, it sounds really... They're, they're plucking something right out of the comic books. Yeah. yeah. It's it's going to be a pretty cool season. And I can't say enough about the actors on the show. Oh, the Tyler Hoechlin guy. I he's, really like he's him. He's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like him, like he's even Bitsy Tull. Like, she's phenomenal. The kids... On yeah. the show were really good. The kids were good, yeah. And you had Emmanuel Shrieky as, as Lana. It's, yeah. It, it's a really great cast, and as a Superman fan, it's really cool to see. Like, this is what makes him interesting, him being a dad, having that limitation. Right. Like, all the weaknesses people say he doesn't have, it's the ability to, his ability to care is actually what can be exploited. Right. So, definitely something that you should watch. And now, the show everyone needs so, to so, watch. So, when, yeah, when, Ryan, I'm just going to quote you. When people ask me which show they should watch. Yeah. This is the one we're going to tell <laughs> them. Well, yeah, yeah, it's not done yet, so you don't know yet. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah. but the three-episode the three rule has already happened. Yeah. yeah. They, they dropped three episodes. And three spectacular episodes of Peacemaker. That's right. Now, I'll say this. I When I watched Suicide Squad, which I very well, much no, enjoyed. The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. My apologies. <laughs> they're, um, they're completely different. The character was interesting, but I didn't know why they were like saving him. You know, for a series and whatnot, John Cena has definitely made a believer out of me. Mm-hmm. This is a quirky, fun little. It's James Gunn at his most James Gunn is, <laughs> if that's a thing. Oh no, that that is a thing. Yeah. James Gunny, as, yeah. as Glenn has mentioned it before, and I, I will give him credit for that. This is the probably one of the best, like title. Songs. Oh, they they need to take the little skip intro button. They get through yeah, I, I don't. I haven't skipped it yet. Like Game of Thrones is one you mentioned before. Yeah, yeah I, I watched the the opening every episode. Um, he has a sidekick named Eagle. He's working with this team. Basically, after the events of Cordo Maltese, uh, he's working with this other little unit to stop these things yeah. called butterflies. He's kind of he's got a um, a handler named Amelia, and there's like a tech guy named with John, and there's kind of. I'm kind of leader of their little squad named Clemson. Yeah. And he's got a best friend named Vigilante. Yeah, Vigilante is basically, uh, <laughs> my friend Anthony said, he's Deadpool without the powers. I could see it that. That's kind of what he's like. And without giving into it, John kind of, I kind of forgot about this. The the character's actual name is a character that was on Arrow. It was Adrian yeah, Chase. Adrian yeah. Chase was yeah. Vigilante. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why when they had Adrian Tra- Chase on Arrow, everybody thought he was going to wind up being Vigilante, but it turned changed it to Prometheus. Right. right. Um, but also, like, I, I said this earlier, but I, like, 
Peacemaker is basically, like, if you like Cobra Kai, he's Johnny Lawrence if Johnny Lawrence was a psychopath and raised by John Kreese. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun kind of answer to crazy right-wing thinking. I and mean, it's, I just love that his motto is, I'll have peace no matter how many men, women, and children I have to torture and kill to get it. <laughs> so, um, since I'm a huge wrestling fan, what do y'all think of Cena? In this? He's, he's awesome. He's amazing. Because I, I feel he's, like... He's the reason the show's good. He's been hit and miss with some of his performances. Really good. I actually like sucked at Bumblebee, even though the movie was good. No, I, I think, like, James Gunn gets him. I mean, this, the same way James Gunn knew what to do with... Um, Batista? With Batista. I mean, because, I mean, there's a there's a really cool... Because a lot of the... He's been used successfully in a lot of comedies. Right. And this one, it, it James Gunn's really good at showcasing the comedy, but then slowly peppering in some, like, heart. And I'd say that, that James Gunn is kind of... What how I used to feel about Joss Whedon before all the, the controversy with him. James Gunn is kind of that same style. Yeah, I guess I'm the very quirky kind of. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, and the way he plays the character. Like my wife wasn't watching the show, but she I had it on the other night, and she came in and she was laughing too. There's a scene where he's trying to get out of this building, escape from this building, <laughs> and there's these balconies that he's got to jump from balcony to balcony as to get all the way down, and he hurts himself. Every single time he, every jump he makes here, I don't. I was in tears laughing. It just there was, just his the it John Cena is the way he was playing it, and my wife was thought it was pretty hilarious too. Like it's, but I mean the the cast in this is really good. I mean uh, Robert Patrick who plays his father, uh, is I thought was hilarious. I mean he I, as I, I kind of told the guys before we started recording, it reminded me a lot of the same character he played in Walk the Line, but maybe the twenty first century version yeah. of Johnny Cash's dad. Um, but this. I can't say enough good things about this show. This show's amazing. Definitely something. If, if you've seen The Boys and you like The Boys, you'd like this show. That's a, that's that's a good very comparison. Similar. I was going to say, like, it's, it's a style. It, yeah, it's not for kids. It's There's, there's a lot of nudity, a lot of sex. A lot of violence. A lot of violence. At, at one point, without giving anything away, there's police at a crime scene, and one's like, oh, look, I found a piece of pizza. And when she goes to pick it up, they're like, nope, that's a human face. <laughs> so HBO Max. Yes. Yeah. So, uh... Glenderman, you you finally watched the Eternals? Yeah, I, I saw it um, two nights ago. They, it premiered on Disney Plus, and I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, it's definitely something different from um, other MCU things. Where you you kind of don't need to like if you just want to watch an MCU movie without having seen anything, you could watch this one. It has a kind of its own mythology. Um, yeah. The uh, girl that played Cersei, Gemma Chan, I thought she was solid. Yeah. She was good. In fact, the whole cast, was, they were all very good. Yeah. Um, Rob Stark I, and Jon Snow. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, funny that they're paired with someone named Cersei. <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole kind of, it, it was structured kind of like Highlander, where it was bouncing back and forth between present day and, you know, them throughout history. Um, I absolutely loved what they did with Camille Nanjiani's character. Mm -hmm. I thought he was great. Um yeah, I mean, it was gorgeously filmed. I mean, the, the one thing that I will say I had to get used to, and I, this isn't really a thing with the film, it's more just the way I watched it, I guess, on Disney+. Plus, Because certain um, uh, sequences, they use the IMAX aspect ratio, and it's mostly stuff with special effects. So, like, for example, it, it opens with this um, them getting chased through this creature through, throughout London, and every time they show the creature, it would jump to, like, filling up the entire screen, but then when we go back to the 
to our the characters were chasing, I would jump down the letterbox, and it would bounce back and forth constantly, uh, which I didn't uh, watch it yet, which was kind of distracting. Close. But I mean, I got used to it eventually. But um, I thought the the design of the uh, Celestials was, was really cool. It was very yeah. different. They got Swearingen pretty. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but um, no, it, it was fun. I mean, I get a lot of the um. The criticisms that people had, it was one of the slower burn movies, especially for an MCU yeah, property. I, I'm, I'm with you, though. It's like... It was fine. Um, it's the equivalent of, like, watching... Like, again, like, watching... When you watch a DC movie... This is the opposite way of they did with how they did the yeah. Avengers. It's like, here's the team. Right. And, uh, I, and if they do another one, I think... I'll definitely go see it just because I know who all the characters yeah. are. That's what I said. Um, it, made yeah. me, it made me, I don't know that I'd really want to watch it that one again or too many more times, but I'm ready to see another movie with these characters. Like some, there's sections of the movie I'd watch. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, they had some really cool action sequences yeah. in it. And um, just some of the, I mean, it, some of the scenes were just absolutely jaw-droppingly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, there's a reason Chloe Zhao won the Oscar for Best Director. Not for this one, obviously. What did you win it for? Yeah, what did you win it for, Ryan? If it's what I think it is, I'm not saying. Was it, was it, was it Nomadland? Fuck. If you had to watch Roma, Nomadland, or Mother over and over again for a one-week period, which one would you choose? Like, that's like a prison sentence. Yeah, you have to watch it. No, it sounds like Bill and Ted 2 where they had to choose their pill. <laughs> I think... Would you steal Duncan's Easter basket? And I think I would go with Roma. Yeah, I think I, I agree. Yeah. I don't want to watch a movie where I see Francis McDormand shit in a bucket. And it's really, it's nothing. It's nothing positive about Roma. It's that mother would just give me nightmares. That movie's stupid. And and then and then and pretentious what, bullshit. And then yeah, uh, Nomadland oh. would just make me depressed. Oh, I should have put Tree of Life on there too. I would um, probably pick Tree of Life. That put me. That put uh, me to sleep. I'd, I'd probably still pick Roma. That would put me to sleep. Roma. At least you got the New Year's Chupacabra. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus. But um, there's the. And I will say, I really enjoyed the two post-credit scenes for this. Like, they weren't just filler. They actually moved... They, they set up yeah. things. In fact, they set up two pretty, it seems like, important Marvel characters. Um, now, I will say some of the actors, like, particularly Salma Hayek and Angelina Jolie, I think the main reason they cast them was to bring a, a certain gravitas to their roles. Because, yeah, Angelina Jolie didn't have a whole lot of lines, but as soon as she walked in as uh, Athena, I was like, okay... I kind of knew what she was about. Like, this woman's a badass kind of deal. And, um, and I mean, and Salma Hayek, she wasn't in it a whole lot, but, she, again, she was just... They brought a certain credibility with them to these roles. But, uh, I mean, I'd absolutely recommend it. Um, I don't know, I'd probably give it a 7 yeah. out of 10. I would agree with you. No controversy there. Um, but Mother slash Android, is that the title Mother of the Mother slash Android. I, what I, have you to do with the Darren Aronofsky? Um... So Glenn messaged us that... That I had watched that. Yeah. So I was off that day when he sent the message. So I actually was like, well, I ain't got nothing to do. I'll go find it. I put it on, and I had to go pick my kids up from school. So I got like maybe an hour into it, and I ain't never gone back to watch the rest of it since. <laughs> it's really like slow and depressing. I, I don't know if it picked up any by... but it, I mean, it kind of did. So, um, all right. So the, the plot is... It stars Chloe Grace Morris. And um, it starts off kind of in the near future, which it's very similar to like the reality they had in iRobot, where yep. um, uh, everyone kind of has their own androids that 
they, they wait tables. They, you know, there's a scene at like a cocktail party, and the, all the waiters were, were androids, and and they 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 look human. They yeah, they just they look human. They they show up, they clean up, they do you know they do all this stuff, and when they they Chloe, became self aware. Yeah, so Chloe Grace Morris, who plays a character named Georgia, her and her boyfriend Sam, they find out that she's pregnant. They don't know what to do. She's kind of considering having an abortion. The funny thing, though, is I didn't know anything about this movie. So when, yeah. you, when, when you first told, told me to watch it, I put it on, and I'm like, what the fuck has he got me watching? It's like a fucking like, teen drama. And then in the middle of this teen drama... Robots go crazy. Like all, there's this weird sound that comes through all the cell phones, all the radios, all the TVs and everything, and all of a sudden, all the androids start violently murdering everyone around them. And then it cuts to... Probably nine months later, because she's about to give birth. See, and that's, like, and, when the androids went crazy, I was yeah. like, okay, this is going to be kind of cool. But then, like, it immediately went to, like, almost like a survival movie. Right. It, it, it's it's like someone, the, the writer-director, this is Matson Tomlin, saw every single post-apocalyptic movie and... All right, so let's put a little bit of the road in there. Children of Men. Let's put a little bit of Children of Men. Let's put a little this a little bit of Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, and they created this film that you know it's it, it's it's an original film that premiered on Hulu. I mean, I can't give a review because I didn't watch all of it, but I can say I was not a fan from what I saw. Yeah, it's and it's just them out in the woods trying to survive. Her trying to figure out how she's going to have this baby the entire time. Where it's not just these robots too; it's like technologies turned against humans because someone picks up a cell phone to call the police, and the cell phone blows up and kills the woman. So it's uh, like technology has turned against humans, and they're trying to figure out, you know, basically what to do. Um, would I recommend this movie? Probably not. It's I can appreciate what it was trying to do. Some of the, there's actually a pretty cool chase scene with uh, when they get found out by the androids through the woods. Um, that you know that that was fun to watch, but. It just it it very clearly took too many cues from very more successful post apocalyptic films. So I don't I, I mean I didn't hate it. Um, I'd probably I don't know give it four point eight. Like I, I wouldn't recommend it, but just under. That's that's I mean I, I can't give an official review, but that's right around where I was thinking when yeah. I saw. Chloe Grace Morris is really good in it. But... It's not the acting; it's just the yeah, story was very good. dark, yeah. and it was the story didn't move very fast. Uh, but I mean, so I mean, the road was kind of the same way, where the the story didn't really move very fast. I wasn't really the biggest fan of that either. I mean, I just I felt like there was a Dementor sitting next to me, where I, I would never be cheerful again <laughs> yeah. after I saw that. Well, uh, I watched a movie. I, it was on sale on iTunes, so I, I bought it because I missed it in the theaters. It was called The Night House. Uh, starring Rebecca Hall, and for, the trailer would have me interested in it is, it seems like her husband's passed away, uh, killed himself, and he was an architect who built their house, and she's you know kind of in the trailer, upset by some stuff going on, and she discovers a house that's the reverse of their house, and there's all kinds of weird things going on with pictures of women that look like her on her husband's computer and all that kind of stuff. So, I bought it and I watched it. Um, it's a little horror film, horror slash thriller, um, and it's pretty amazing. I always like Rebecca Hall. Like, yeah. No one really talks about her, but she's always good. <clears throat> it's a, uh, and that's if you like Rebecca Hall and, and you like really tight performances, this is going to be that kind of film for you, um, because it's not a big cast. Um, it starts off where her husband's, you know, she's basically coming back from the funeral. Um, she's a school teacher, and it's the summer, so she's going through like her grieving process. 
in the way that it's shot and the way that it it's paced, it's almost like you're trying to decide if she's like losing her mind or going through something, or if there's some su- sort of supernatural element uh, in this. And it kind of unfolds in such a way where you get answers uh, that kind of trip you up constantly. Um, and it's also directed, which the director is a guy who I haven't seen that he's done anything else, but his name is uh, David Bruckner. And he basically, like, I watched the featurette after it. The way that they had to shoot this is a lot of practical effects, um, but they had to, like, block things where they had a set that was built in reverse for, you know, how this is played. It's an r- incredibly interesting film, and it's very creepy. So okay. if you're looking for something good to kind of sit there and, you know, things that go bump in the night, you know, you want a, a creepy night, this is the one to watch. Where is that? It's going to be uh, available on uh, uh, purchasable stuff with, or rental on like iTunes. So it's on VOD like right now. Yeah, video. Oh, demand. cool. Um, but yeah, if I had to give this a score, I'd probably give it an eight. It's really oh, Jesus. Wow. It's, okay. No, it's really good. Like I, I really liked it. Um, another film that is a horror movie that has dethroned Spider-Man is going to be this new Scream film, which I have not seen. I and what's the title, Ryan? The title of it is Scream. Na 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 na. Like, they should have made the S at the beginning of the word, number five. Yeah. That's all you gotta do. That's, that's it. Okay, so this is a requel, I guess is how they describe it in the film. Um, is it reeks? No. Oh, oh kind of like, like kind of like Star Trek 09? Yeah. Like, okay, they, they describe this as a, as a sort of like a reboot slash sequel. So first of all, I was not expecting the fact that the legacy characters are just so... Sub, sub like supporting characters, they're not main characters in it at all. Sydney Prescott, Gail Weathers, Dewey, they're barely in the movie. Like they're, it's not about them. It's sort of like a passing of the torch to these other characters. Um, it has uh, a typical opening scream scene where Ghostface is is stalking someone, and it's done quite cleverly where she's like there's they add some new technology where she's trying to lock the doors on her phone. And it keeps unlocking and locking and unlocking. And um, there, there are some twists and some things happen that sort of go against the grain of, of the previous Scream films. Now, I never saw Scream 4. You guys told me it was good. There's, it no, was good. there's no reason I never saw it. It's just one of those ones I never got to. I wasn't the biggest fan of Scream 3. Oh, I, I loved it. Scream 4. Scream 4 is better than 3. I, I, I didn't like Scream 3. I, 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 I thought it was okay. I, I love Scream 2. And I thought I mean the first Scream is an instant classic. Um, oh, two is amazing. Timothy Oliphant was in that. That's right. Um, <laughs> so this one, um, I don't know how far I could go with some of the spoilers. Basically, I'll say this. I will give away some a couple little things. So the ghost face is basically back stalking some kids, and they don't know why. And it's in the same town. With, with, yes, it's Woodsboro. in Woodsboro. Um, the first girl that gets attacked. Um, her older sister gets notified that you know your younger sister was attacked. You may want to come back to town. And as she's getting in her car to come back to town, she looks in her rearview mirror, and it's Skeet Ulrich through like Luke Skywalker CGI, looking like his character from the original Scream, talking to her. Okay. Stop right there! I'm already sold. How can she? How can she be so lucky? It, it, it's amazing because like. First of all, I thought it was really him, and it, and I would according to an article I read, it was CGI that did it, but it they did it. It's seamless. It looks just like him. Like he looks a little bit older, you know what I mean? But like maybe he ages like Paul Rudd, possibly. I don't know. 
No, trust me, I've seen him on Riverdale. He doesn't age like Paul. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so you do get to see that. So I guess you sort of get that legacy character back in certain scenes. Um, and there's another one of the great things about the screen movies is they cast young actors, like really great young actors. Um, oh, what the hell, Dennis Quaid's son. Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid is in it. He's great. The the main character from Thirteen Reasons to Thirteen Reasons Why, the, the young boy, he's in it. Um, they just do a great job finding great young actors. I will say this about this Scream movie. This is the most brutal of all of them. The deaths are hardcore. Like, some of them are intense and, and with rapid stabbing. Of the Others are, like, really slow, where you see the knife going in and just slowly piercing people and blood just spewing everywhere. Well, I mean, all the other movies, I mean, it was just, just stabbings. I mean, it was just, like, kind of... The it's the way... Was, the most brutal thing was probably... Um, Rose Omar Epps, Omar Epps getting stabbed in the ear. Yeah, when you I want to say Rose McGowan dying in the the doggy door in the garage. <laughs> oh God. How about when, how about Jada Pinkett when she goes in front of that entire and screaming crowd and she <laughs> cries before she like. But anyway, it, when you see this movie, you'll she understand. Was sad. What, she was about to die. You'll understand. You'll, <laughs> you'll understand what I'm talking about when you see it. Like the stabbings are really up close and intense. Was it like the same Robert Ryan Mellish death? There is one. <laughs> it's almost identical to that. Um, what I will say about this, that there, there's one thing I didn't like, and it's hard for me to not spoil something, but, okay, so basically one of the characters in the film is killed in a certain way where the person who, when you find out who the killer is, it doesn't seem possible they could have done it. And I don't, I don't want to say anything more than that. Um, as far as like the way they treated the legacy characters, I thought it was great. It was really kind of cool, touching, and sad that like apparently in Scream uh, Four, Dewey and Gail are married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're not together anymore, and Dewey's sort of like living in a trailer, and it sort of paralleled yeah, the real life relationship in a way. Like he he wakes up in the morning and watches her on TV, and they're sort of pining. It was really kind of sad. So it was really good. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. My girlfriend was sort of on the fence about some of the things with the show, with the movie. Was she a fan of the first? She loves the Scream movies. Okay. Um, but I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the acting was great. I, I loved they They used the, uh, a lot about toxic fandom nowadays with the Stab franchise, which kind of reminded me of Greg and his hatred of The Last Jedi about how they just, they felt like, they didn't honor the stab characters in the latest stab film, and they do actually make a reference to the fact that, like, the last stab movie, they didn't put a number behind, and they're like, "Well, who are you guys trying to fool? We know how many we can count. Why are you just? Why don't you just come out and tell us what the number is?" And so they actually, the movie is so very self-aware and meta about itself. I enjoyed it. The first one was kind of like that. It is. It's very yeah. similar to the first two. I would probably give it like a seven point five. And this is the first one without Wes Craven. So did you? Right. Did it feel different? Did you crave him? It felt like a somebody who was sort of like, you know, paying respect to him and his style okay. of the way he made the first Scream film. Um, there was just enough, like nods to the original. Okay. Um, even some of the settings in Woodsboro, they revisit and stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I can't wait for some of you I guys mean, to see it. You sold me at Skeet Ulrich. So. Yeah. Well, he's not in it that much, but it is him. So. Brad Pitt is the shit. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Encanto. So, yeah, I, I finally saw this. John, did you see this too? Yeah, I saw it when it first came out. Yeah, um, this is the latest Disney animated film. Um, 
Written by Lin Manuel Miranda. Is this Disney or is it Pixar? This is Disney. Disney. So it's just so it's like Moana in a way, like that's yeah. it's just Disney. Yeah, the last one was uh, Ryan and the Last Dragon was a Disney yeah. one. Oh so right, this okay. Is, this is Disney. Yeah, Disney allowed this one to go to the theaters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, unlike Pixar, they they just send straight to Disney Plus now. I have a feeling that will not be the case for the Lightyear movie. No, that looks like that's gonna be awesome. I yeah, think. I th- I, uh, yeah, but um, anyway, this is Encanto. Um, it's on Disney Plus right now. It's the tale of a Colombian family. Um, they live in this house that's... The house is kind of a character where it's alive. And um, all of the characters, they all have these weird superpowers kind of that they develop at a certain age. Um, like a magical power. Yeah, yeah there's a, a backstory about the family was fleeing. It seemed like... I don't know, they were refugees kind of. And then they were... Uh, they were it was like kind of violent. Yeah. Like the, the flashbacks. Of yeah, time. and the... Um, Mother was left after the the father's killed and uh, the mother's left with her, you know, baby triplets and this magical candle creates this little oasis for them and uh, started in giving the family these magical powers. Is, is this an original story? Yeah, it was from Lin Manuel Miranda. Like it's yes. not like a like a kid's I don't story so. or something. No, I think it's an original okay. story. Um, the main characters a uh, uh, girl named uh, Mirabelle and she's the only member of the family that did not get a magical power when she became, you know, went of age. And, like um, the baby in The Incredibles. Kind of. But, um, and it's just kind of, it, it's cre- it created a lot of tension in her family. Um, the, the, the newest, I guess the, the youngest of the family is getting to the point where he's about to figure out what his power is going to be. And well, Mirabelle, you know, they kind of treat her a little differently, almost like she's um, special. Is this at all funny? Yeah, yeah, it's very funny. Because it's the way you're describing yeah, it, it's, it, like, a dark, say it, it's it, like a dark Marvel it, movie. It, it, it is pretty, I mean, the, the premise is dark, but the way that it's presented, it's very vibrant, very colorful. Mm-hmm. The songs are incredible. Like, this is, the songs in this, if you had no idea Lin-Manuel Miranda was involved in this, as soon as the songs started, you would know. Some of these songs sound like they were plucked right out of um, In the Heights. Um, it's very, it, the, the message is really great about family and, uh, how certain things can cause rifts. Like Sandra even said, this kind of came out at the perfect time when families are getting torn apart by different political opinions and stuff like that. And, you know, family, you know, you're supposed to stick together and stuff like that. Um, the voice talent's really good. I thought John Leguizamo is hilarious in it. Um, it's just, I, I, I really enjoyed this film. Like, I was mm. whistling the, there's a song we don't talk about, Bruno. I was whistling that all day today. Um, I would absolutely recommend this. It is just absolutely stunning. It is the visual. It it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I know like my description was a little dark, but it's not a dark movie. It's really fun. Cool. Um, I don't know. I'd probably give it um, seven and a half. Yeah, I'd say I'd give it about seven and a half. And, and my, my daughter loved it. So, yeah. I mean, in fact, she was watching it when I left the house to come over here. Lovely. Well, we had a little bit of an oversight last episode. We, we, I'm really we sorry. Kind of, we kind of ran out of time. And, and we, we, no, we, we, to all our we, listeners, we, we, we fucked up. We, we, you got to understand, we talk about so much shit before we actually press record. I think we thought we already talked about it on air. Because we did talk about everything, that all these people that we lost. We lost a lot of people. So we're going to give them their due and actually talk about them a little bit in this episode. And we have four people that we sh- should probably remember. Um, going back to even before the holidays... And we're going to start with uh, with John Madden. This one, um, this was this was rough for me. Um, any young boy who loves sports, you ha- or love football, I should say, you can't not know John Madden. 
Like, even if you don't necessarily know him as a coach, or if you don't know him as a commentator, who, despite what John says, was brilliant at being commentator. <laughs> you didn't like John Madden. You used to always make jokes about how he would always say the obvious things. I never said about John Madden. I yeah, said he, about Chris Collinsworth. You no, know, you, you used to criticize no, Madden all no. the time. We, we, I mean, I've, we've made jokes in the past about how he get focused on things. Like when he was in New Orleans, it was all about the tailgate parties. Look that was them, what was so great. Look at them red beans. And, and you know, that was... He'd always talk about the tryptophan. Yeah, I'll do yeah, tryptophan that, that, that was uh, part of his charm as a commentator. And, and another thing, like I saw some ESPN people talk about how the greatness of him was that he made... Like complicated situations in games, so easy to understand. Like when a player would be going for a catch, and there'd be like, "Oh, was he in bounds or not? Or was he out?" And he'd be like, "Well, you see, his butt cheek hit right. Here. One butt equals two feet." And it's just like little shit like that that Mad used to say would yeah. just be so hilarious, and it made people understand. And of course, he created the most prolific video game franchise ever. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say too, like you owe to him. The de-arcadization of yeah. football games because he was very much about the, this needs to be authentic. And I didn't and realize a simulator. that documentary on Netflix talked about that. And I didn't realize that he was integral about it's got to be eleven on eleven. It's got to be real. He football. wanted all the players to be visible. Right. Like I, I think that's amazing. Like, yeah, it was sad to see him go. I mean, most he, people he, don't. He, he was good in the replacements with Keanu Reeves. Uh, he was. Yeah, he I forgot himself. about that. And, um, I really think you're thinking about somebody else. No, I guarantee you. you <laughs> I, did, I did not have a problem with John Madden. I don't remember this no, either. It, it's not that you John had a problem. So upset. No, no, no. Well, I mean, no. I, I like John Madden. I no, I remember fighting with you about this all the time. You used not to me. Yes, you used to think he was a terrible commentator. <laughs> I mean, Loop. I think Loop and Dendy used to mess with you me? about that. I, mean, but... I, was, I don't honestly remember. Like, he, he was kind of before my time. So, I mean, he used to tell me he's terrible. All the, I remember fighting with you about this. Not me. It was <laughs> you. Know. Anyway. Um, we'll let, we'll, I'll, I'll forgive you for that. <laughs> You're forgiven for the thing you didn't do, John. No, he did do it. He Alleg did I, do I it. Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. No, you're accused. Um, we also lost a phenomenal actor in the form of Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Is it sad that I only know him from his more recent work before he... His last film appearance was in The Jackal. But I mean, like, I know him, honestly, from Sneakers. I love that movie. Oh, that was a good movie. Sneakers was a really good movie. I, I didn't see In the Heat of the Night. I didn't see... see In the Heat of the Night. It's good. I didn't see Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which I know those are... I forgot what he won an Oscar for. Well, I mean, um, he, he actually, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, he was uh, simultaneously, I think, he had the highest grossing movie and was the highest paid actor of the year, one year in his career. And that was unheard of for an African-American actor. And I, I remember, like... He, he broke ground whenever... I mean, he was, the, he was the first black actor to place... Um, Autograph hand footprints in the Chinese theater. You know what's kind of sad? It's just like I feel like we needed trailblazers like him, but he reminds me of like someone like she would tell a Chia for and those type of black actors who probably wouldn't get all the roles they get now because of people like Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Like I would love to see him in like a lot of these like roles he could play now, like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. and shit like that. He was just amazing actor. Everything he did. I mean, the Jackal yeah. is sort of like a guilty pleasure for me, England, but it's a piece of shit movie. But he's really good in it. Like he's good in anything he, he, he does. He brings some um, some credibility. Yeah, well, he also had he had a very distinct way of speaking because he grew up in uh, in like the islands. But he actually had to train himself to speak. And he has the greatest eloquently. Name. Yeah, Sidney Poitier. But yeah, the phenomenal actor, very breaking actor. Yeah, I mean it's it's getting to a point where it's really sad that we're starting to lose all of these like film legends. Yeah, I mean they're they're getting up in age. But um, yeah, I mean I guess. The best way to remember them is to go in and revisit. Yeah, this their, is, their and you film. know what? You're right. This is a chance 
now I have a. I mean, I, I don't really need a reason, but I should go back. I should watch In the Heat of the Night because I heard you that. I heard that movie's amazing. It is good. They call him Mr. Tibbs. Is that what that's from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, we also speaking of legends, the legend that is Betty White passed away today's three weeks her, shy. Today would have been her birthday. I Wait, we're recording this on the seventeenth. This would have been. A, I honestly been forgot. My sister posted on social media when she went and saw Spider Man. I forgot that they had that Fathom event that actually went on tonight. It was supposed to be yeah. her birthday party that she was going to be at. And they were going to do some kind of big celebration with celebrities and stuff. I don't know if they still did it. Um, well, I, I have a friend of mine who was like, posted something about he can't understand why people are still talking about it. But I, I think almost a hundred year career um, spanning, like, like, and to also be so resilient, but, but known for comedy and also being on all kind of levels of comedy. Cause she, a lot of people know her as just Rose on, on, you know, the golden girls, but you see her in other things. And like, she had that kind of mean streak and the, the, the inappropriateness and like, like I, I love well, my the, sister talks about that, uh, the Cleveland show that she did. Oh yeah. Cleveland. She, not, not the Cleveland show. I, I don't know. No, I knew it had yeah. Cleveland in the title, but like she says how she, she was great in yeah. that. Well, I mean, the, she was in mama's family too. Yeah. yeah. One of the last things she did, she was a voice in toy story four and forecast a question. She was bitey white. She was the little, um, chew toy. And I'm, I'm telling you right there, if you guys have not watched the golden girls, so I was watching that as I, I tell you this to this, like I'll, I'll, I'll die on this hill. It is, it's criminally underrated. And I'm, and it's weird to think she was the oldest one. I know, right? Like Estelle I mean, Getty is that. not the oldest one. Betty White was the oldest one out of all of them. And I will say also about this: it's one of the few shows that goes from beginning to end, and the series finale is actually satisfying. Did you ever see this? this Golden Palace. Yeah. Uh, what I saw, I remember I didn't like. It just came back on Hulu, and I'm going to revisit it. I do know there was an interesting like. Was the, it Don Cheadle on it? Yeah. He was. That was like um, the first thing I ever saw. Him on. Cheech Marin was in it too. Like, um, I'm going to revisit it. Because you know it was only on. I remember seeing it like live when it came on. I haven't watched it since. So. Is it still on anywhere? I just said it just came it, back on Hulu. Just put oh, on it Hulu. It just got put on Hulu. Um, I think yeah, it's just a coincidence. The author's not in it. It's it's no. Yeah, it's, it's and that's how this that's it, it, it ties hotel, in. Yeah, and Don Cheadle plays the hotel manager, and Cheech Marin plays the hotel chef. Yeah, it ties into the end of the Golden Girls, where Dorothy goes off. She gets married, and it's actually really sad because like her mom, she's trying to convince her mom Estelle Getty to come with her to be with her husband, and she's like. I think my presence is what ruined your first marriage. These girls need me more. And she stayed with Rue McClanahan and, and Betty White, and then they did the spinoff with Golden Palace. It was a great end of a series to spin off into another, unlike Joey and Friends. Empty Nest was a better spinoff. That, 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 oh, that, Empty Nest was a good show. That tied into Golden Girls all the time because mm-hmm. he was their next-door neighbor. Yeah. There's not enough shows that do those type yeah. of tie-ins anymore. What was the next time with Charlie? He got the last lady to, to see Lover, but it didn't. Clover. Clover. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Yeah. I remember seeing Wasn't that. Alf on Empty Nest once? I think so. I wouldn't be surprised. What, uh, I, I just remember seeing an interview with Betty White kind of not that long ago where they asked her about like current Hollywood actresses and stuff, and she said, in her mind, she said the epitome of Hollywood is Sandra Bullock because they worked together in the proposal, and she said... She like she just went on and on about how much she was. That movie's with, delightful with, with Sandra Bullock. Whatever. But, anyway, um, it is. I uh, just this morning I got up and uh, my girlfriend was watching the Game Show Network and the twenty five the new twenty five thousand dollar pyramid with Dick Clark was on from like the eighties and Betty it was like they were doing a Betty White marathon of all the times she's appeared in the show and just seeing her interact as herself with regular people it's just she was a joy she was a, a treasure a national treasure it's horrible that we lost her but. We knew it was coming. 
I mean, I mean she, she was, was about to be 100 years yeah, old. She was 99. She lived such a, an amazing life. And I don't think anyone was shocked. It was just sad. No, and you know yeah. what's crazy? It's like, you know, she was 99, but she was not like she wasn't active. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she said kept her going, was her being active, her that's not awesome. stopping. Yeah. So. Um, one unexpected uh, loss was Bob Saget. Yes, that like I said, the Betty White. I think everyone kind of this one was really surreal. Kind of expected it was coming, but was sad that this Bob Saget one seems like it really. I shook mean, he me was. Out. This shook me like Norm Macdonald kind of mm-hmm. shook me, um, mostly because like we we don't know as of right now what kind of happened, but uh, the outpouring. One, it's kind of like you hear how good a guy he was from all these people that knew him. Right. Um, so, so do you think he wasn't like his character in Entourage? No, I, I don't think he was. Like, I, I think he, he purposely played himself in a certain. Yeah, song. yeah, so like that, he, it was it, an, a hyper realized version of him as a comedian. But no, I just but, I, that that's it's kind of crazy that he was so memorable on his appearances in Entourage. Like that's what I remember of him. As. And and you know it's one of the first things I thought about when it wasn't full. I mean I loved Full House, but did you ever see the documentary about the joke? The, the, the aristocrats. Yeah. yeah. No, John's talked about that to me. Yeah, a bunch of Bob Saget's version of that joke was absolutely hysterical. Um, I saw the. Uh, I think it was the Olsen twins put out a really sad message, you know. I, I notice a lot of things because I follow them on Twitter. John Stamos, it's like, it seems like that. I mean, I think they were they were best friends. Yeah, they were. Yeah, you know, but it's, it was just shocking and sad. And I think what uh, America's Funny Some Videos they I did a think, tribute to him. Yeah, that 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 show. I mean, if it's on, I watch it now. But Bob Saget brought a charm to that show. That's what made it a hit. Like. Well, that and I actually read something that I thought that they said um, America's Home Funniest Home Videos walked so TikTok could run. Yeah, that's you know what I, yeah, I see that. That's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he was one of like like Amer- like for a lot of us, he was like like our TV dad. Totally, and the one thing that I will say about his career, he kind of had three different careers and different personas, and he kept them all separate, but they all worked because he was like you said, you know, the TV dad, very wholesome. He had kind of the shock comic kind of the filthy comic kind of thing and then he directed films like he directed dirty work with norm mcdonald oh he did yeah, yeah. and i mean he had that little filthy part and was it um was it half-baked which i don't know i think he had something to do with that film too where i mean uh, they were all separate well, if you think about it it's him trying to get comedians you know yeah. on, on, a, on a difference like the, uh, the original concept for full house was three comedians living together Right. And, and like, you mean Ranger Joe was not one of the original yeah. ideas? So, basically, like that's what he mirrored in real life. It was him trying to get comedians off the ground and getting you know a larger audience. But yeah, he, yeah. The, all these people will be missed, and you know we're we're sorry we didn't get to give them tribute in proper time. But now it's time to nominate this week's awesome villager, gentlemen. Who are your nominees and why? Well, I'm going to nominate Ricky Gervais. Um, Afterlife. I think. It's a show that uh, came to me when I needed it, and I'm really sad to see it go, but... It had to go. It had to go, and I'm glad. I know we always say, you know, we wish shows because they're so good, but I felt like this was the perfect mm-hmm. perfect way to end it. Um, it's to teach you how to say goodbye, Ryan. It, this show actually really makes it... It explains why it's so hard to say goodbye to things. I mean, it's it's well, it's, it's, that too. it's so good. I I can't say enough great things about this. And Ricky Gervais is fucking hilarious. I mean, he's a funny guy. Follow him on social media with all the stupid selfies he takes of himself in bathtubs <laughs> and shit. It's fucking hilarious. So that, that's he's my guy. 
All right, I'll, 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 I'll go next. Um, I, uh, I'm going to nominate James Gunn. Um, just he is the definition of taking a shitty situation of what happened when he was um, let go from the Guardians franchise. And Warner Brothers pretty much said, we don't care what you tweeted. They opened up the book and said, do whatever you want. And he decided to do The Suicide Squad. And it didn't quite connect with audiences. And so he took another kind of shitty situation and he turned it into the peacemaker which is a joy um it's just and his whole career is just i mean he was eventually rehired to to finish his guardians um franchise which is highly anticipated um i mean i i've been a fan of this dude since i saw slither yeah um if you're looking for a fun movie watching halloween by the way that's a good movie man that's good um but i just think this guy like i i really like the way greg put it where he's kind of He's the Joss Whedon that we deserve, <laughs> and he's just got this quirky sensibility that I don't. You don't see a whole lot in mainstream Hollywood, and so that's why I'm gonna nominate James Gunn. I'm gonna nominate Michael C. Hall, even though, like I said, I wasn't the hugest fan of the way this Dexter ended. I mean, Michael C. Hall was great from the beginning of the original Dexter series through this show. I mean, he's. And, and I will say, I, I didn't agree with some of the choices. But and that's he, how I feel. But he killed it. He, he was really good he did. in that finale. He was excellent in it. And he was excellent the entire season. And um, I don't know what we're going to see him in next because I feel like he didn't really do a whole lot in between. I mean, there's rumors that HBO is talking about revising uh, Six Feet Under. Oh. So maybe he'll be in that maybe be in if that. they do that. He did that movie Gamer. Gamer, yeah. The Dancing Dexter. That's right. Uh, well, I'm going to take the easy route here, and I'm going to nominate John Cena, um, because I've been doing nothing but, but singing the preacher, <laughs> the Peacemaker theme song in my head and giggling about different jokes that were made in that series. He, like, as much as James Gunn, yes, you're completely right as the architect of that show, I don't know how much it works without John Cena. And you're not wrong. He's, he's the Peacemaker. So, gentlemen, if you have to nominate someone other than your own, who would it be? Even though he's won, like, a, a couple months ago when Dexter premiered, um, I'm, I'm gonna. I'll go with John's guy, Michael C. Hall. I mean, but Glenn was right. Like his acting performance in the finale is unmatched. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Ricky Gervais. I mean, it's not very often a show like like really like emotionally like moves you like, and it, he did it every season. Yeah, several times a season. I'm I'm gonna go with John Cena. I'm gonna go with Ricky Gervais mostly because like I haven't seen the show, but I have every faith that it's everything that you guys say. Plus, I've been following him since you know the beginning. I he, think Heather would like it. I'll have to let her know. She's, I think she's. I, she, I think you guys should binge it together. She desperately wants uh, stuff that's that's fun and exciting and happy right now. Well, um, I will that's, say that's this. my concern with it because it well, is kind of a you know. I, I like if you describe it to someone, it's going to sound like you know why would I want to watch that? It's depressing as hell. But there are parts where you will laugh your ass off. And I think that's the best. We, we've talked about that before. That's one of the best things. Shows that can make you really, really laugh and then also get really emotional. All right. So, Ricky Gervais, please come hang out with us. Bring Carl Pilkington and Stephen <laughs> Merchant. We'll try to find a way to fit him into Ryan's house. Um, but, yeah, you guys come hang out with us and, uh, and, and, and share stories. Um, it's been another great week. We're, we're glad to be back. Um, please remember, there are many places to listen to us. Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, a host of other platforms. And as always, you can find us on theawesomevillager.com, where anytime you listen to us, you do help us out here at the show. Thank you very much. This has been Greg. John. Glenn. Ryan. We will see you next week.